This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. This is Peter. And this is Tom. And you're listening to History Teachers Talking Podcast. Now part of the Evergreen Podcast Network. All right, this is Peter Zablocki and Thomas Reska, and welcome back to our podcast. Tommy, a nice short one for us today. What, what do we got? But yeah, so we're going to be looking at pretty infamous and kidnapping that happened. It's definitely of the time. And uh, like that was a kidnapping of Frank Sinatra Jr. And there's a lot of podcasts just on this. There's supposed to be some movies coming out about it. I didn't really even know about it until I kind of just happened to find it. But there, but there are podcasts that just focus just on this that are like hours long that, you know, a lot more detail. I mean, John Stamos actually does. I saw that. It's right. a narrative for summer. There's going to be uh, movies coming out about this. I think a Netflix movie they're working on. But um, yeah, I mean, it, it was a big deal when it happened, obviously, because you have to understand how big like, Frank much Sinatra of a star was. Frank Sinatra was. And his son was only 19 when this happens. A lot of conspiracy theories that we'll talk about that kind of came from this. We can look at some of those conspiracy theories a little bit, which have been, I guess, disproven. That's yeah, but I, I feel like there's some merit it. to them. Regardless, I think we should definitely mention them. Well, I mean, yeah, definitely um, mention it. It definitely makes it part of this like story, just because, you know, this kidnapping of Sinatra Jr. and why they did it. And the people, even the guy who did it is, has an interesting, the one of the masterminds anyway, has a very interesting story. It's I think one reason why they're making these movies about it now is it's a really interesting story and it, it sounds like a movie. Yeah, I think when you and I got together and to talk about this, you're like, hey, why don't we do this? And uh, I looked into it as well. And it's almost like I want to say it's a funny story. It's just so weird. It's like a weird and you guys will see this. It's a weird kidnapping. And the rationale behind it, too. And like everything about it. There's just so many weird things that happen. It's like, but it's true. Like, that's the crazy thing, too. That's the crazy part. Yeah. The guy that actually came up with this, right? So he's still alive. Frank Sinatra Jr. passed away a few years ago, but the main guy is still alive. However, we'll get to that later, but he cannot really be recorded, right? Yeah. Because uh, it's not a Sam law, basically, which means you can't pro- a criminal cannot profit directly from any of their crimes. Yep. So he can't really have like a documentary about it where he talks about what he did, how he did it. However, he has yeah. been interviewed numerous times and we'll, we'll get into that a little bit as well today. So I think without further ado, let's get going. So Frank Sinatra Jr. Let's start with Frank Sinatra Jr. Right? Who is this guy? He was born Francis Wayne Sinatra. So he's not technically a junior because um, Frank Sinatra's middle name was Albert, but he was always known as Frank Jr. from a very young age. He was an American singer. He was actually was a conductor for his father in the later years of his father's life, late in his early 90s, songwriter. And he was known to be talented in his own right. He was born in Jersey City, New Jersey in 1944. Then he died in 2016, like you said before, at the age of 72. And he just um, wanted to be like his father. He wanted to be one of these, he wanted to be a famous singer. And he did get a certain level of... Um, Recognition, fame, and fame, recognition yeah. and fame, and they said he was actually talented. Quote that he said is because of my last name, I have to work three times harder as other people who wanted to break into these businesses, stuff like that. And he even um, talks about he didn't really know his father that much um, growing up, but he always loved music and he wanted to be a uh, p- pianist. That was sad, right? They said Frank yeah, Sinatra well, Senior was never home. Well, yeah, because he was out performing or he was in a lot of movies and stuff like that. Even when this kidnapping happens, he's not even in the same state. He's 
he's out filming a movie, which we'll talk about with the uh, the Rat Pack. There's just a lot of stuff going on here, but he does, you know, he did want his son, and they become much closer um, later on in life from what I saw. Well, he takes care of him. That's the that's yeah, kind of what I got out of it. Takes care of his father later on in life. Yeah, yeah, but it's definitely interesting in the sense of like him saying like, "Well, I have to work harder because of my name." But I mean, let's not kid ourselves. That totally gave him a leg up, especially in well, the business of like call, my dad's I mean, Frank call, Sinatra. So that's my name too, and I'm also going to sing. Like us people are going to give him a music. Yeah, calling yourself Frank Sinatra Junior is definitely going to. It's, it's going to help. But you give him credit. He wanted to do something. I guess he didn't really even have to work. I mean, you're Frank Sinatra's son. You could do whatever, really whatever you wanted. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of the, the vibe time. you're getting here, too. We're like, as he's kidnapped, and we'll get to that in a second, you said he's still only a teenager, and this guy's already traveling around the country and about to go travel mm-hmm. around the world just singing. You know, he's just yeah. got gigs. And he's, you know, he's kind of like, think of like the like a teen heartthrob almost, you know, status. But it's not quite there yet. And that's what one of the conspiracy theories that later comes yeah. into play that some people believe that this kidnapping was actually orchestrated by the Sinatra family to give him more media exposure. Yeah, uh, and yeah. that was later debunked, but it still followed him for the rest it's of the time. We won't talk about it. In Sinatra himself, the Frank Sinatra Sr. even says like, he's like, I don't need more fame to my name. To yeah. do something like this, like there's yeah. just no reason for me to um to do that. So let's get into uh, Barry Keenan, uh, the interesting, yeah. colorful. He's the one that character. basically he's the mastermind behind all this, right? So Barry Keenan, he was he was a businessman. He was actually like pretty wealthy at the age of 21. He actually was pretty successful. He was a member of the Los Angeles Stock Exchange, but he got in a car accident that just really messed him up. He became yeah. injured, so he got addicted to painkillers, and he came up with this uh, kidnapping scheme. But he also, it's something that we will talk about now, and I guess we'll come back to later. He developed a type of condition, right? Psychological mm-hmm. condition, but he basically heard voices. Yep. And that's what really led him to having this idea because he believed that God okayed this plan. And if you really, if you dig a little bit deeper, he, at first, they wanted to um, kidnap Bob Hope. Did you see that? Yeah. Bob I did Hope's see that. son. They wanted to kidnap Bob Hope's son, but they just say, no, we can't do that because um, that would be too un American. And the reason they yeah. picked Frank Sinatra Jr. is because they feel like Frank Sinatra did some bad things in his life. And yeah. And he could handle it. it. It's okay to so, make him upset, so, right? Yeah. To make him upset. We're not going to hurt the kid. We have no plans on hurting him. We're just going to kidnap him, make a li- make him a little upset, right? And he also thought it was going to be okay because he had every intention, at least in his mind. That's the crazy part. That, Go that, for that it. He, that, that he was going to pay all the money back. Yes. He was going to invest the money, He was right? going to invest his money and then give it and then pay Sinatra back for yes. it. He was just and borrowing what, it by stealing yeah, just, his kid. He, he was just borrowing it. He was just borrowing <laughs> it. That's nuts. And we'll talk about that when we get to the ransom because that also makes why the ransom was what it was. So it was yeah. just weird. And he, so he gets some of his friends to come along with this too. And these were high school friends. They were just like, hey, buddy, let's uh, go kidnap Frank Sinatra. Son. And some you know, of the like, friends actually, and they reports some other people too, based on what I was reading. And other people were like, yeah, you're not actually going to do that. Because Barry Keenan, as you mentioned, right? He was the youngest member of the LA Stock Exchange. This guy was super successful. By the time he was 21, 22, as you mentioned, Tom, he owned boats, he owned cars, he owned homes, like multiple, right? This guy was super wealthy. Think of like Wolf on Wall Street kind of thing. And then things crumble after this car accident, and he basically becomes addicted to painkillers, right? He does this plot, right? He hatches this plot yeah. with his friend um, Joe Amsler and Johnny Irwin, and they're going to kidnap Sinatra. And they actually follow Sinatra for a while. It's not just like a spur of the moment type of thing. They're planning it out. They're trying to figure it out. They actually um, track him for a couple of weeks. He's only 23 at the time. Keenan, yeah, Keenan's 23. And uh, yeah. Sinatra's 19. Yeah, they keep on following. Yeah. They just can't pull the trigger. In, the in a, uh, yeah, yeah well, they, want to, they want to find him a place when he's alone. And finally, they decide to yeah. do it um, December 8th, 1963, just a few days after the assassination of John F. Kennedy. 
And the reason we talk about this is because, again, they were kind of feeling all that. One of the reasons why they pick him at the time is because, like, well, we, they knew that Sinatra was friends with JFK, which he was, yep. the father. So that he's going to be heartbroken because he lost JFK. Now we kidnap his son. He's definitely going to give us a ransom because he's going to want that back. So that was another reason why they decided to do it when they did. And um, at the time, Frank Sinatra Jr. is um, beginning his music career. He's performing at Harris Club Lounge in Lake Tahoe. It's between Nevada and California. And um, he was resting in between acts around nine o'clock when he was in his uh, dressing room with a friend of his, when Keenan knocked on the door, pretending to be a delivery package, like the, the delivery man delivering a package. And they just kind of bust in. They take, they knock down Sinatra's friend, tie him up with medical tape. So it's not even duct tape, it's medical tape, which I don't know if you know, what med- it's not very, it's not the strongest tape in the world. There's ways to get out yeah. of it, right? And yeah. then they blindfold Sinatra and they take him. They, they, they run out the side door into a waiting car with the friends on the, and they drive off and the, the singer gets out, like the, this friend gets out within a few minutes. He just yeah. kind of frees himself and he's like, oh my God, what just happened? And they go and call the police and because it's Frank Sinatra's son, the FBI gets involved pretty much instantly. Yep. Real quick, before we get into the Roblox aspect of it, this was such a detailed plan. These guys literally had like a three ring binder with exactly how they were going to do this. And yeah. he, they were initially looking for money, like sponsors, like who could help us in front of some money to make this work? But as they're, as this guy frees himself and they call the police, news of this kind of gets out. And Frank Sinatra Sr. is basically within like yeah. minutes or half hour, he gets two important phone calls. One is from Bobby Kennedy, whose brother was literally just it's shot, just right? Killed, yeah. And he's the attorney general, and he's like, I can make this work for you. We could get your son back. But at the same time, he also gets a phone call from the mafia that are like, hey, Frank, like Frankie, like senior, we could help you out too. Like we could get your son back. And, yeah, we'll and it's back, really, yeah. yeah, and it's really he, up to Frank Sinatra to be like, hmm, like which way do what I am go? I gonna do? Yeah, yeah. because he's, he's with the Rat Pack and they're filming a movie called um, Robin and the Seven Hoods. He's not even in the area, so he's doing that. He has a lot of friends, let's just say, Sinatra. Yep. He's got some friends in high places on both sides of the law. Yep. <laughs> and everyone wants to help him because everyone wants to help old blue eyes, right? That's what Sinatra's name. Yeah, yeah. Everyone wants to help him out. So that right away, they set up these roadblocks, like we said, and they actually stop stop um, Keenan. Stop which three I, guys, yep. They yeah. stop him, and they just kind of talk their way out of it. Well, they talk their way out of it because they threaten Junior, right? Don't they tell Junior, like, listen, if we get if stopped, anything, yeah. we're just three friends. Just just go with the story. We're fr- three friends, and there'll be no shooting, and your friend's going to be okay. Like, they made it seem like the friend that was tied up, there was somebody else there that's going to come and shoot him. But the third conspirator is not even with them yet. So far, it's just two conspirators. Just two of them, yeah. yeah, they kidnap him. They bring him. They get stopped. And Frank Snester Jr. is kind of afraid for his friend that was tied up. So he plays along with it, and they just get through this roadblock, and they keep on driving. By then, senior Frank Snester Sr. has agreed to work with the FBI to try to, to get his son the, back. Pay the ransom. And just think about how different this was because – it's because they didn't know what Frank Sinatra Jr. looked like. Otherwise, they would know who it was. Like now, they say would just send a picture out looking for this person. Yeah, you know, and they would you'd be able to get them. You'd probably get them right in that roadblock. But obviously, um, that didn't happen. So they, they get through, like you said, and that's when they recruit the third okay. guy. That's Joe Amsler, I believe. No, recruit- no, that's the other one. That's, oh, that's uh, Johnny Irwin. That's Johnny Irwin. Yep. Yep, yep. Johnny Irwin. And all he's basically going to be, the, he's going to be the one that's going to communicate with um, the Sinatra family. How is he? Because everywhere I look, they're like, John Irwin, Colts, Frank yeah, Sinatra. I, saw too, yeah. I don't know how he knew yeah, Sinatra's what? phone number. Like, well, I guess maybe, maybe back then, like those numbers were listed and whatever, they call him. Like, he just calls him. And the FBI is there. And I go, when they contact you, just agree to it. And well, the crazy thing is, it also shows how nuts Keenan was or like how mentally disturbed he was. 
Sinatra comes right on TV right away and says, I'm offering a million dollars. Which is two like nine, point something, uh, it was yeah. two, nine yeah. point something million dollars in today's money. Right now, uh, right now for my kids' return. And then when they contact and they say, no, we don't want a million dollars. We want uh, $240,000. Yeah, that's all we need. Is lot, which is a lot of money. Yep. It's a lot of money back then. It's, a lot, it's still a lot of money now. I'll, I'll take it. But um, yeah, they uh, he doesn't want a million dollars. Because again, he says, I'm just going to invest this and I'm going to give him money back. In his because mind, he is an investor. Back. That's literally what the guy yeah. does. Yeah. He's, yeah. So he's like, like this, a banker. This, this, he's like, this is all I need. You give me that and I can make it into, I'll make that $9 million, no problem. Crazy. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Sinatra gathers the money, he gives it to the FBI, and they actually to just take pictures of all of it. So they photograph all the serial numbers and stuff like that. Yeah. And then they drop it off their instructions, which is go to this, uh, like a gas station, right? And It was, but this is what I don't get either because Keenan and Amsler, right? Go and pick this up. How are they not like caught? How are there not police officers waiting at That's this That's why they probably said, you know, stay away and stuff like that. But it's a gas station. They had to pick it up between two buses, right? The, yep. the money was going to be laid between two buses. December 11th, right? Yep. Of that year. Like you said before, I was thinking that too. Like, well, how come they don't have like people spying out somewhere and everything like that? So they actually had um, Frank Sinatra locked up for two two days. They had him like, basically he said he had his blindfold on the, pretty much the whole time. So when Keenan and Amsler go to pick up the money, Erwin is still with um, Sinatra. Erwin held on to Sinatra. They were somewhere yeah. in, in Beverly yeah. Hills. And the other two guys basically did all the other. Went to go get the money. And Erwin actually gets nervous. He's like, oh man, the FBI is on to me. Uh, they're, def- they're definitely going to find me. He just lets Sinatra go. They say, yep. go. That's really interesting because when Sinatra goes, he's actually like left in the middle of nowhere. And he has to basically walk a couple miles, I yep. believe he walks, right? Up until a um Find some, some security guard. Yeah, like at a random yeah. place. A random um, place. And what happens, with, you see what happens with the security guard does? I mean, they know it's him, but they, they're, they're worried about the publicity so much. A security guard put him in a put, put him in the trunk of his car. Yeah. <laughs> so you were just kidnapped. Don't worry, you're safe now. In the trunk of my car, and they yeah. drive him to his to his mother's house, and that's where they get released here. But like Frank Sinatra talks to um, Junior said, from that moment on, what is it? He always carried dimes in his. Oh, no, um, that was pocket. senior. That was senior. senior? Um, yeah, that's that, what I, I thought that was so awesome because they said that they could only communicate. So they told Senior about as he was dropping off the money that we will only communicate via payphone. That was the kidnapper's demand. Yeah. And Senior basically was concerned because he never ever held any change in his pocket. So, so he said from that point forward, like he always to this death, like literally they buried him with this in his pocket. He always like carried 50 cents worth of change or whatever yep, it was in his pocket. Yep. So they could always make a phone call. Well, that's that's going to be traumatizing. Like your kid gets kidnapped. And you, know, and you don't have you. change. <laughs> yeah. Well, and they kidnap him because of you. You know what I mean? Well, yeah. they, know you have, they know you have money. Like, it's not any other reason than that. I guess we can't be famous, Tom. We can't be famous. No, we don't have to worry about that. So but this like, is interesting. Why? Like, if anyone finds dimes, not that anyone's going to be looking and digging up uh, Frank Sinatra Sr., but they buried him with the dimes from this point forward for the rest of his life. He always carried dimes so he could make a phone call. By the way, yeah, pay well, phones, guys, for those of you that don't know yeah. listening to us. Do they even <laughs> exist anymore? I don't, really, you know, I don't think so. Anymore. I have not seen one in a very long time. What happens? How does this whole thing unravel? Because these guys get the money, uh, which another thing, I don't know if you saw this, but out of the money that was eventually taken back from them, right? 
I thought it was interesting. It was only $168,000 was recovered. No one knows what happened to the rest of it, yeah. And we're talking days. Like, where did this money go? It was, they caught him pretty quick. Yeah, within days. All right, so how did they wind up catching him? He tells his brother, right? Yep. He confesses to his brother, oh, yeah, we're the one. And this is all over the news. Yep. It's like a huge story. It's all over the news. People are talking about it, but they're, they're also really excited that Frank Sinatra Jr. is back. You know, he's okay and everything like that. And his, you know, his fame is obviously skyrocketing, I guess you can say it that way. You know, a lot of people think, oh, are, are we going to catch these people? They go to New Orleans, and they, on the way, they stopped in San Diego to visit his brother. And that's when Erlen tells, you know, his brother's like, hey, what have you been up to? He's like, well, you know what's going on in the news? That's me. You know, so he, yeah. he and his brother's like, oh, my God, my brother's this, you know, con now and quickly calls the authorities. This gives them. me the vibes of like the Unabomber, like brother gives yeah. up brother kind of well, thing. They know, like, you know, you committed a crime. It's probably safer that he gets turned in also this way than if there's like a shootout or something like that. You know, true. you also know the mafia is probably out there looking for him, too. That is know? true because, you know, senior was a little so, uh, exactly. intense there. So the FBI captured all three men later on that day, actually. And nearly all the ransom was recovered. And then in February of 1964 is when the trial started. Yeah. That's where all these conspiracy theories will pop out from. Well, when you think of the trial itself, right away, there's three people, right? And two of them get life and one gets 75 years, but none of them serve more. Like Keenan serves four and a half years. The other yeah, two guys serve three and, a half, three and a half years. And they're all basically let go, even though they were supposed to spend their life in prison or at least 75 years. And the reason for it is because once this thing goes to trial, they realize fairly quickly that Keenan, who planned this whole thing, is literally like mentally unstable. Mentally insane. Yeah, and he was mentally unstable at the time of the crime, which yeah. then makes you unliable basically for the crime, especially in California law. He even says that in an interview that he said in 1998, he said that I was legally and mentally insane at the time of the kidnapping. We had no criminal malice, didn't profit, didn't fit the profile of normal criminals, right? yeah. didn't profit from it. So that, that was it. They were like, oh, he actually winds up becoming a pretty successful businessman. He becomes a millionaire. This. He yeah, becomes all this. a huge millionaire. Uh, he's worth, by 1983, Keenan, right? So he gets out of prison in 68, and then he goes right into real estate uh, and becomes this huge real estate developer. And by 83, his net worth was estimated at $17 million in 83. Surreal. And yeah, yeah. Th- and this is a guy that just masterminded this whole kidnapping, should have been in prison for the rest of his life. And like, imagine being Frank Sinatra Jr. though, and this guy well, just got out and is yeah. worth $17 million. Yeah, he was he was getting mad because then in um, 1999, Keenan and the other and the other two men were offered yeah. a uh, deal by Columbia Pictures, uh, $1.5 million in exchange for, again, talking about it. And then Frank Sinatra Jr. files a lawsuit to block the deal. He's like, he's like they can't do this. And, and California law um, does forbid felons from... Um, profiting from their stories of their crimes. So they weren't allowed to do it. Keenan argued in his late 50s, um, he was you know, in his 50s at the time, that it violated the fir- his First Amendment rights, that he should be allowed to speak about it. And it was a huge, long legal battle that eventually the court sided with Frank Sinatra Jr. And he won the case saying, you know, the law holds up. You're not, you cannot profit from your crime. He still talked about it. He wrote a um, book about it called This American Life in 2003. Showtime made a movie about it called Stealing Sinatra. He's still alive today. He's 81 years old. He's almost like glorified now, which that's what that's what kind of interested me about this story. Like you, you planned a kidnapping. You kidnapped probably one of one of the most famous people in the world at the time. Even today, everyone knows who Frank Sinatra is. You may not know that he had a son named Frank Sinatra Jr. But I may know about this kidnapping. But you know, you know who Frank Sinatra is. That song and that that singer and the songs he wrote, right? "Fly Me to the Moon," "New York, New York." I'm sure I'm missing a bunch of other ones that people are going to get mad at. But like he, he was famous. He was he was it. 
right, at the time. His son gets kidnapped, and this guy's masterminded, and now he's getting all these movie deals. He's out of jail. This is what kind of gets me about Frank Sinatra, and this is the craziness about these kidnappers. Frank Sinatra's connections, I want to go back to, the mob, are legit. Like, th- oh, these yeah, yeah. kidnappers are lucky for where, for, where, for where he grew up, for where he was, he was definitely, you know, he knew people, put it that way. Oh, yeah. So the FBI actually tracked Sinatra for over 40 years. They had a, like literally a file of thousands of pages about his movements, the people that he dealt with, the war, uh, his friendships. These files were actually made public. You could see them. They were made public in 98 after Sinatra's death. And they basically, I mean, they, they read like like the movie Casino. I mean, it's kind of yeah, nuts. Just knows everybody, yeah. Through the files, there's a lot of interesting things. One thing I find interesting, doesn't even pertain here, but he paid a doctor $40,000 to declare medically unfit for World War II service because he said he had a punctured eardrum, so then he couldn't go. But once you start actually looking at it, he not only introduced JFK to some mafia people, he got the mob involved in a plot to assassinate Fidel Castro. So he was almost like a go-between the mob and the federal government like this guy's connections were because he was so famous yeah pretty intense so these kidnappers are more than lucky that they ever lived to really tell the tale and they're still alive and and, yeah and that they were they were able to talk about as much as as they were because it it could could have been easily taken out by one of sasha's friends did you see this thing that after fbi got involved in tracking his son Apparently, the FBI knew a little too much about what was going on with the kidnapping before Frank Sinatra Sr. actually shared it with them. So they said that this was like I read it. At a, it was a History Channel thing that Sinatra from this point forward of the kidnapping knew that the government was actually tracking his activities. In 79 and 1980, Frank Sinatra Sr. himself uh, requests and receives his FBI file through the Freedom of Information Act. He's like, I want to know what you have about me. Like, release my files. And they do release most of the files to him. And he got caught on because of this kidnapping scheme. He's like, how come the FBI already knows so much about my son being kidnapped? Like, if I didn't tell them everything, clearly they're listening and paying attention to what's happening in my life and, in, you know, my phone calls, so on and so forth. Interesting stuff. Uh, Frank Sinatra was definitely an interesting character, to say the least. Junior never. Well, he was like famous, you know, I guess. Ish. Ish. And he, he, in, I guess that world, like he did have a lot of songs that actually did very well. He's probably got introduced a lot to the um, later generation. He appeared in several episodes of um, Family Family Guy. Guy. I saw that. Family Guy. He was, as a singer, he voiced himself. He played himself. He did a lot of that. He was, he made plenty of money doing his own things. He was very good at like the um, Vegas, the strip, and he was in some movies as well. Appeared in The Sopranos as himself. He had a successful career. Like a lot of people would take it. It wasn't what his father's was, but it's going to be hard to like be in that shadow. I'm sure. Yeah, but I mean, look at the way he's finished his career. After Senior died, he started singing again, and the show he started singing was literally known Sinatra sings Sinatra. Yeah, he like, just. Did I his just kind of feel like yeah. yeah, I just yeah, I, that's got. Well, I mean, yeah, I was, I don't know. I mean, you're honoring your father. I'm sure that's something that was. Well, yeah, but I well, mean, yeah, I guess if you're in that shadow. I guess I, I do think that his claim to fame is being kidnapped, which is why some people believe, as I mentioned before, what if like his career just wasn't taken off the way he wanted to, and the Sinatras organized this to give credibility to his name, to give him some, you know, well, media you do hear, you do hear stories about that, about like um, some people, like rappers who like want to get shot. I just like you know, not like I guess famous ones now, but ones that they think that's got them getting famous. Wasn't there that one actor that like said he got like attacked? I forgot the name. He he still argued that he that it was really attacked with the people that 
attacked him. So no, they paid, they paid him, they paid us to attack him so he could get on TV and stuff like that. So, you know, especially the real, I mean, this is way before reality TV, but people will do anything to try to get famous. Um, But like I said, Sinatra argued that. And then they actually, I forgot to mention before, they did find a confession letter that Keenan wrote in a safety deposit box. And Keenan admits to it too. So Keenan does admit to it. He's like, no, we planned this. Like we, we, this was not like a publicity stunt at all. You know, and obviously, why would they, why would he try to sue him and stuff? So there's, you know, obviously, it was proven. FBI didn't think that it was uh, any merit to that, and it was been proven since then that that was not the case. But at the time, there was a lot of talk about it. I'm sure there's people that still kind of believe it was a uh, publicity stunt. But if you want to say it was, I guess it didn't really work. I mean, he got yeah. some podcasts talking about it, a couple of movies talking about, it, but at the time, you know, it didn't like it didn't really change his career that much. I think that pretty much concludes our podcast on the Sinatra Jr. kidnapping. I mean, I didn't know about this really until you mentioned it. So um, maybe we did surprise some of you guys with this choice. But thank you so much, as always, for listening. And if you need to find us, you can find us at www.historyteacherstalkingpodcast.com. We're always there. If you guys have any questions, comments, uh, you know, shoot us an email. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We are also there as well. So I guess until next time, guys, thank you so much. And we'll see you guys next week. Stay safe, everybody. I hope everyone enjoyed our podcast, and if you would like to email us, you can do so at historyteacherspodcast at gmail.com. I'm Ken Harbaugh, host of Burn the Boats from Evergreen Podcasts. I interview political leaders and influencers, folks like award-winning journalist Soledad O'Brien and conservative columnist Bill Kristol about the choices they confront when failure is not an option. I won't agree with everyone I talk to, but I respect anyone who believes in something enough to risk everything for it. Because history belongs to those willing to burn the boats. Episodes are out every other week wherever you get your podcasts.